Hello and welcome to this episode of the Tune Lighting Podcast, the podcast where we are attempting to write and record a musical album in just one year. Uh, I'm Rob Brugglesworth, uh, one of the two band members uh, involved in Tune Lighting. Um, a little bit of a, a different episode this week and the start of, I'm going to call it our interview series, our expert interview series, we'll call it that. Um, so this is a pre-recorded uh, episode that we've done. Uh, that's why Jack's not here right now, but he will be with us very shortly when I cut to the episode. And um, yeah, this episode, it is, we decided it's time we interview some people who actually know what they're doing or have actually done some stuff before and try and get some knowledge from them, which you can apply to our own album, hopefully. And this week we'll be interviewing, uh, starting off the series by interviewing a good friend of ours, James Maloney, who is a composer and producer uh, currently based in London and we'll be talking to him about the album that he released um, three years ago now back in 2017 uh, called Gaslight and um, yeah we'll be it's a great album I love it it's uh, mainly piano based instrumental album uh, classed as sort of he classed it as lo-fi minimalist um, instrumental music and yeah it's a really great album really good example of uh, how you can make an album on your own, produce it yourself and, and record it mostly at home on very little equipment, on a very small budget, and how you can you know, put it out there to the world and, and see what happens. And so I thought it was a great place to start uh, as it's you know, very applicable to what we're trying to do. So um, before we get into the interview with James, I'll just play you in with a small clip of a track from the album Gaslight. This is a track called Blink. Welcome, James Maloney, to to the podcast. Thanks a lot for having me. I'm a big fan of the pod. I'm glad uh, that we've we've, uh, we've got not just a, a guest, but also a, a existing fan as well, which is uh, which is nice to hear. We wanted to uh, to st- start bringing on. I, think I mentioned in the last episode to start getting on uh, a few more guests and uh, to help me and me and Jack out on our journey towards uh, towards creating this album to get some. Expert advice would be the uh, the word from people that are uh, in the industry or that, like yourself, James, have uh, have actually produced and uh, or released your own your own musical album. So um, yeah, we, we we we'll use this interview to kind of get, get, get as much knowledge from you as uh, as we, as we can within the within the time frame. If that's all right with you, totally, <laughs> totally, and and it works in both directions. I can assure you i'm sure you'll learn a lot from us james <laughs> I've, I'm, I'm already picking up gems from your other podcasts the what the one on um, the one on resistance really spoke to me particularly at the moment uh yeah um, well i think everyone experiences that i think it's good to hear that 
But you do yeah, too. We, oh yeah. We've uh, yeah. We what we uh, what we lack in musical knowledge, we can try and uh, with Jack's degree in philosophy in particular, we can try and uh, impart knowledge of uh, of other aspects of of life. <laughs> at least I'm glad. I'm glad that's been useful for you. <laughs> so yeah, I guess the best place to start. I mean, would be um, just, at the start. At the start, yeah. Um, a little bit of background, I guess. Where where. The, where the journey begun on your yeah I, I guess you didn't just one day after doing no music whatsoever decide you're gonna produce an album <laughs> one afternoon one rainy afternoon you didn't just uh, pick up a guitar for the first time piano for the first time and uh, and uh, record an album yeah, where where did it all kind of start start for you on your journey to getting that album out there I guess so it's, it's really not that dissimilar from what you guys are doing actually it's um a bit of background i i studied music i've always done music um, i studied it at university and uh, and when i left university i found myself working in sort of tangentially in the music world uh, not not in as creative a capacity as i really wanted it's still great fun still learning a lot but i realized after a few years of doing that that although i thought of myself as a musician as someone that makes stuff i hadn't actually made anything since my sort of final university portfolio of composition stuff, I studied composition, and um, and it was really it was really just a, a resolution I made with myself to to make something and get it out there and see what happens. And I think what I was saying before about that that resist that idea of resistance speaking to me is because I felt it so acutely for so long, and I think. The longer I left it, the more I convinced myself it was a bad idea, that I wasn't capable of doing it, that it was a pointless task and all that kind of stuff. Um, so one day I just, I mean, it really was just a case of resolving to do it. Um, and I set myself some really narrow parameters. So I managed to borrow two microphones from where I was working I thought, right, what I've, what can I do here? I've got a laptop, I've got two mics, and at my parents, which isn't actually, it's in a different city. To, I, I'm, I live in London. My parents are in the West Midlands, where I'm from. Um, there's a piano there. So I thought, with the remaining annual leave I've got um, this calendar year, I can, I can go back for a few weeks and, and record, and I can prepare for it in between and do the editing afterwards. And it kind of, it was really as simple as that. And it just evolved from there. And then I ended up using a bit more time and it developed and went in different directions. But that was the exercise. It was like, right, what can you do with these, with a laptop, two microphones and a piano? And someone gave me a really great piece of advice, which I think is the best piece of creative advice I've ever been given, which was just to, to sort of aim for 80% satisfaction. Um, and I think up until that point, I'd been aiming for 100% satisfaction, which is what we all do. Um, and as a result of that, you go through a sort of a, just a process of self-loathing <laughs> every time you try and do anything because it's so far off from what you want it to be. And it's really at that moment where I thought, actually, it doesn't have to be perfect. It can be a bit of a journey and you can do something. And if it's if you're happy with it, like trust trust it, go with it. It's, it's a lot, so long as you're 80% happy with it, then that's okay. And I'm really glad I did that. And that's not so I don't look back and cringe. And when I listen to this album that I released in 2017, it was, it's called Gaslight. Um, 
it can be quite hard to recognize the person that made it in a weird way. Um, but at the same time, I'm really proud to have made it and to have finished it and to have gotten it out there. And it was as simple as that, really. We can talk a bit more about how that all worked. But then just to explain the process of, of getting it out, I, I just I got it mastered. That was another key thing in finishing it. I like booked a mastering session for a month. I got to a point where I thought, I need a proper hard deadline for this. So I booked this mastering session um, for like a month's time. And then I spent that month going hell for leather on it, basically. Got it completely finished, got it mastered, put it out on SoundCloud. And then I was really lucky that a, a record label in Canada heard it and then picked it up. So I quickly sort of deleted its internet presence. And then we did a sort of a, a more proper release a couple of months later. So that's the... Um, that's the sort of the short version of how it all happened. Before the album came into mind, were you writing songs, you know, completing songs and, and you know, maybe not like we, me and Jack have, were guilty of kind of writing song after song, but maybe never actually kind of putting it together into some For sure. kind of album or even EP or anything like that. It was just kind of that's, stored on the hard drive somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly it. It was, um, I mean, I've got reams and reams of material from when I was, from different stages of my life, I guess. Um, I was making electronic music from, I, I guess, age of sort of 16, I suppose, but I was composing in, in a more kind of like pencil and manuscript kind of way before that. Yeah, so I was, I was always making stuff, but I'd never made like an official release, if you like. Um, and in fact, when I made this record, I was working on a... <laughs> I was working on various different projects at the time and this was the one that stuck and in fact it was delayed by about a year I broke my hand very very badly at one point um, it's not yeah it was bad it was really bad and it ended up getting a bit sort of ugly and I had to have bone grafts and all this kind of stuff um, and that's sort of set the whole thing that back about a year um, but in, at the same time that was if that hadn't have happened, I don't think I'd have ever made this album in the way that I did. But yes, I was always making stuff and at university kind of writing classical music, I guess, alongside this kind of electronic world that I was interested in. Uh, So taking you back, taking you back to four years ago or so, when you said you resolved to do this, was it specifically an album that you decided, right, I'm going to make this, it's going to be a, a full album? I'm going to release it somehow. Um, was that the intention? Yeah, it was exactly that. And I think it's for the reasons we were just talking about. In a way, I had kind of bits of stuff all over the place, like half-formed ideas, various songs, various pieces of electronic music, which never really went anywhere. Um, and for whatever reason, I thought I wanted like a... Yeah, wanted like an album. I think for, for even though like the album, just in general... I think it's become less of an idea in a way as time's gone on. You know, people are constantly talking about like the death of the album. It doesn't matter anymore. And it's much more about singles or EPs and just constant flow of stuff. But that was really the culture that I grew up in and you guys grew up in was the idea of like the album being the thing. And um, and there's nothing wrong with other ways of releasing stuff. And that's something I'm thinking about going forward. But that that definitely spoke to me that idea of just releasing like a like a statement i guess of 40 minutes to an hour and all the music within it somehow speaking to each other in its in its own way um definitely and and the other thing was more more of like a structural thing was that 
as I say, I, I thought of myself as a musician and I would meet people and, you know, I'd, I'd talk as if I'm someone that was making stuff and meet really interesting people who would say, I'd send me your, send me your stuff. I'd love to listen to it. And I just realized so, yeah, I that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I realized I was basically lying to everyone. Like I hadn't made anything for, for several years. Um, and I just wanted to, to remedy that and to say, oh, actually, no, I, this is, this is the thing. This is something I've made. And there are loads of reasons for that as well. And I, I, I don't know if you guys feel this, but a big part of it was a confidence thing. When I, le- when I left, um, university i think i felt uh i felt sort of both both underconfident and slightly confused about what my sort of area of music was as i said i've been sort of working in different sorts of fields which didn't seem to kind of sit with each other quite right and um and it's also it's so easy just just to think actually it's not going to be as good as like beyonce or whatever therefore what's the point um, a feeling of anxiety must uh, must get heightened uh, i guess when you're you're working in the industry and you know, you've studied composition and things like that you're gonna your level of expectation uh like you said you know you're always trying to get to 100 percent when 80 percent is probably fantastic but um yeah did you find that the more you learn and the more the, the further you went on learning about music the higher you're kind of expectations were and the more anxiety i guess you felt releasing something to the world yeah that that's definitely true i think part of it i think when you're like 18 or 17 and you're making stuff you're making music no no one no one sees your identity as being kind of like a, a music person and nothing else yeah um like your identity at that point is much more kind of fluid but when when you're literally a musician and you're a bit older like if you release bad music it says quite a lot about you in a way <laughs> um i think that just the fact that we tie it so much into our own identities means that the stakes feel higher even though they're not that's just yeah. an illusion and it's so important it feels like a very personal thing to do exactly as well. exactly that yeah and if you're, you're kind of expressing a bit of yourself totally when you release music that's exactly right and i think somehow at the age of 18 or 17 there's much less self-consciousness about what you're doing. Um, for that reason, it feels somehow less less personal or, or the stakes feel feel lower. And yeah. as you get a bit older, the, the stakes feel like they get higher. I think a big part of making stuff is like getting rid of that mindset and just doing it. It's a great um, quotation which I've written down over here as I'm making my, my next album by an American composer called Aaron Copeland who said something, I'm paraphrasing, but he said something like inspiration. I'm not sure what inspiration is, but I'm certain that it's the opposite of self-consciousness. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's so true. I think it's, you're, you're at your most kind of free and, and creative and doing the most interesting things when you're not trying to second guess mm. what people will think of it and what other people are thinking. Yeah. And I guess that's heightened so much more when you're producing an album because that's kind of like a piece of art and it's like a lot of thought has to go into it. And it's, it, it's not, it can't be kind of branded as just a bit of experimentation and a, a bit of, a, and I guess that's the comfort in just releasing tracks, putting the odd track on SoundCloud is that if no one listens to it or someone, everyone says it's rubbish, then you can just go, oh, I was just trying something new. Yeah, and, totally. You know, it's just a, Whereas if you're putting an album out there, that's like, you know, it is a bit of a part of yourself, I guess. And you're, it's a, 
piece of art that you're putting out and then that that kind of level of criticism is only going to you know self-criticism is only going to be higher i guess yeah so true yeah it is it's quite a bold statement as you say it it definitely feels feels a lot safer and simpler just to put out like a song and you and particularly if you do it under a pseudonym or something like that then it's really safe and i think that's a great idea i definitely recommend that to to young musicians who are wanting to put out work should I do it anonymously? James James Maloney is your real name. We can confirm. It is. <laughs> it is. I can confirm that's my real name. Although although there are times where I th- I sort of think I wish I'd released it under a pseudonym, not in any way to pretend it isn't me or to sort of relinquish ownership of it, but just because people do then, you know, I, I write music for film and TV stuff. Um, and theatre stuff mainly and very often people hear like what I've released and assume that that is your thing um, and to, and it is a, it is my thing but it's a part of my thing um, yeah. mm. we're, we're all m- much more sort of complex people I think and we have more strings to our bow than one, one particular style and you see I see like other artists really effectively releasing kind of different genres of music or, or different projects under different names and somehow by doing it under mm. a different name somehow it kind of makes it slightly more understandable even though it shouldn't it's really yeah. what i'm doing yeah, i know like, what you mean it sort of legitimizes the change in direction yeah um, totally and it, it really shouldn't make any difference should it and we're we're like so conditioned by <laughs> by the sort of music industry machine that we're we're buying into that stuff but <laughs> but somehow how it does make it feel a little bit safer maybe it's weird yeah i mean it's not quite the same thing but when a band releases a song, um, p- records it, produces it fully, puts it on an album. Somehow that seems much more legitimate than that kind of demo they debuted live once and um, didn't end up being canon, as it were. Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. Um, when something's kind of a part of a, a catalogue. Yeah. For some reason, to me, that that feels in a slightly different category to something that's not been released even though it's the same people making it it's, yes you know, it's you're completely right it's, it's a really it's a really interesting thing that's happening now i think where people are releasing like on spotify i don't know if you've seen this but like really amazing artists who i really um really respect and admire a lot who are releasing like mixtapes rather than albums and they're, they're basically they're basically albums it's all original material new original yeah, material the, in an album do length. Do the streets do that? That's interesting. The streets have just yeah. released a, a mi- well, what he's calling a mixtape. Okay. It's got, got a lot, obviously a lot of guests. That's um, interesting. Performers on it. Yeah, but... But, but what, what is the difference? I've, I've always kind of wondered what well, is the difference yeah, between well, a mixtape and an album? I, I think it's sort of what we were just saying. <laughs> in some ways, I, I don't, I, I don't know, I'm sure it, it, it varies um, kind of person to person, but certainly some of them that I've seen there is, there is no distinction between like the album and the mixtape other than it's sort of like the mixtape has like a a metaphorical sign next to it saying this isn't an official album <laughs> so you need to yeah. listen with slightly more elastic forgiving yeah, yeah. exactly it's yeah. like there's an asterisk on it saying listen with slightly more forgiving ears and this is a bit of an experiment so don't don't count this amongst my official work <laughs> in a way which is kind of a unless you really like it yeah unless you're re- yeah exactly so when you first decided yeah, you you're going to release you're going to sit down and write an album and put it out there was um 
how did you kind of begin the process? Because we've discussed this quite a bit on the, the podcast. Did you sit down and uh, go through all your old ideas and pick out ones, you know, half-finished tracks that might that you liked, that might work? Did you completely start from scratch and think that this is a new project, new song's going to start again? Um, and did you, you know, did you sit down with a notebook and write what, how you... Did you think about what the album would look like as a as a finished product from from the very start? It, it was it was pretty much from scratch, to be honest. Um, as I say, it, it, there's a sort of a, a slightly unusual journey leading up to that point. That I was working on a on like an acoustic piano album type thing, piano music. Then I broke my broke my hand, had this accident, and then I worked for like a year on this electronic project, which. Um, it didn't kind of it didn't go wrong as such but it, it for whatever reason i kind of deviated back to project a um and decided to kind of start again i guess and yeah it, ba- it, it basically was from scratch and that was part of those parameters that i set for myself it's like what can i do in this amount of time and it, it was so it was so simple really like the it was just a case of like sitting down at a piano it's a piano where I, I I work, um, although I didn't have one where I was living. Um, and at lunch breaks, that kind of stuff, like sit down at the piano with my iPhone recording and just kind of mess about with ideas, come up with stuff, and then just like save the ones that you thought had some sort of potential. And then then it works in different ways. You know, some of them I take to a laptop and then kind of map out and experiment with in a more like with you know MIDI instruments that kind of thing just to get a sense of structure I'd write down in kind of like a, in shorthand but but really what I noticed was it really came together when you stick microphones in front of the instrument and that's a, that's the point at which you realize this this idea although there doesn't appear to be anything wrong with it for whatever reason because of the instrument I'm playing with the room I'm in or the microphones I'm using for whatever reason it just doesn't it doesn't read quite so well so that was when things really kind of came to life and those ideas you thought were slightly middling suddenly turn into something more interesting those ideas that you thought were exciting and interesting you realize weren't going to work or were better save for another point and the other thing I don't know if you guys have this but I've I've noticed in, in all the work I do for for albums and for other stuff, like so much happens in the last like five percent. Um, that's very often when stuff come comes alive, and stuff that really doesn't feel like it's working can undergo quite sort of significant, surprising changes in the in the editing room. There's a great line um, I can't remember who said it. It might have been someone like John Williams or someone like that who's who said like inspiration is is earned. And if it's earned, it comes at the eleventh hour. And I think that's that speaks to like everything that I do. I'm, I'm never, I never have like a a moment of epiphany where something, an idea comes and it's perfect, and you you just record it and it's great. It's always graft, really. Something I probably need to get better at because I'm I'm quite quick sometimes to throw out tracks early on if it don't, don't feel like it's kind of working. Whereas probably like you say, graft can often you can often kind of work through a track and, and get something out of it in the end. Yeah, that, I mean yeah. Th- that's that's how it works for me anyway. Other people are different, and there are you know there are plenty of people who it's it just kind of comes in the moment and first idea is best idea. 
and that's great i really envy those people enormously that that strikes me as being a far more kind of fun and exhilarating way of doing it but for me it's it's a it's a much slower process particularly with this album i'm making now which is taking forever but i do notice it's it's when you really see through ideas that they come alive and and that's actually something i've gotten a lot from for a, a from my like i guess classical background the formal kind of composition training background but also from when you're writing music for theater or for film or whatever very often you don't have the luxury of cycling through loads and loads of ideas until you find one that's brilliant you have to go with the idea because the time pressure yeah i think you talked about this jack on a couple of podcasts ago uh when you're when you're sort of working to commission basically um and when you don't have that luxury you go with the first idea because it's the only thing that you can possibly do in the time and so often it's it it comes to like a really surprising and exciting end point um probably way better than had you waited for that like perfect idea uh yes it's it's kind of like the 80 percent thing isn't it i mean I, when you're on commission you still want it to be good but good enough comes into it a lot sooner Defin- in the definitely. process i think and also i think it's is that when you're kind of cycling through and waiting for the perfect starting idea i think sometimes what you what you end up sort of mistaking as the perfect idea is is the one you're most comfortable with the one that's most familiar and the one that you you immediately know the route forward with and actually if you start from a slightly different place if you take one of the earlier ideas and and give yourself the task you know how do i make this exciting you can kind of thrust yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit and it can come to a really exciting place, I think. Um, I don't know if I actually believe that. That's just coming to my head right now. But uh, but it sort of it's, sort of speaks to my experience a bit. You've, basically, it just forces you to be a bit more creative, I think, sometimes. Yeah, so that's that's an interesting thing in itself. Do you find you have to force yourself to be creative? Do you have to say, right... I'm not going to do this the way I'd usually do it. I'll change this. I will. This sounds too familiar. Therefore, even though I like it, I'm going to scrap it. Do you do things like that? Yeah, I think that that's exactly it. Like just just in terms of the sort of music that I'm into, the artist, the music that's always kind of inspired me and made me want to dance and sing or whatever it is, has always been from those sorts of artists who who don't repeat themselves, who do new things, who who try and get really creative. Um, you know as creative as possible at all times and yeah i think that is is of course it's easier said than done but i think you can make a conscious decision to really to take the sort of stranger option at times to to kind of just vary it up to shake it up a bit by by approaching something from a new way and it might be as simple as if i'm normally writing with my guitar i'll write with a piano instead or i'll i'll do it all by um or I'm, I'm going to like set myself really narrow restrictions like record this entire thing with one microphone or see what I, I can come up with in two hours and mm. go you know there, there are various little things that you, you can do to try and make yourself a bit more creative when I was younger particularly it was very much I felt like I needed to create a certain type of song or a certain sounding song to appeal to, because I think, I think you're in that mindset when you, you think I'm not creating this as a piece of art just for the sake of it. I'm, I want I want people to, you know, I want to be famous. I want to be a, a, yeah, yeah. a rock star kind of thing. So whereas I think that's what me and Jack, the conversation that started off this project really was like, 
why is it in um you know in uh, people don't really have a problem going out there and and writing a, a book knowing that no one's really going to read it and but with an album it kind of it, with a musical album it it never really feels like that and what's wrong with just creating something completely original uh that you know maybe no one really listens to but if you're proud of it then that's uh then that's fine i think uh it's definitely a, a switch of of mindset in terms of creativity do you find it easy to to kind of know that that, that line between influence and i guess uh yeah, where to draw the line with with what influences you and and what becomes you know, not original, I guess. I remember someone saying one time, and I don't think it was necessarily about music. It might have been a writer or something saying, "You kind of have to know everything or know nothing in order to create kind of interesting work." And it's like I, I, do, I do think if you if you obviously totally hypothetical, if you'd never if you hadn't heard any music in however many years, somehow had managed to teach yourself music production and you know instruments and stuff you could probably create something really interesting um but short of that i think having your ear to the ground and really knowing what's going on is the is the next best thing rather than something in the middle and then you get into the problem of as you say how do i make sure that i'm doing my own thing and not aping this artist that i'm really into um and not hearing those voices in your head too much thinking oh hold on with that you know i I, this is a problem i have i often think I know that 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 musical act that I really love would think this is terrible and it can really sort of kill it for you (laughs) and the thing is you've just got got to try and kind of block all of that out because the fact is there'll be people who love what you do people who hate what you do and that's that's the case for everyone ever yeah I I think the thing I struggle with is like are things the way they are because that works or is that just because people are following the convention so you know song structure song length um, time signatures you know the fact that I always people so many songs are written in a similar BPM and things like that for certain genres and is is that because people feel that's what they have to do or is that because that works that's that's the question that often comes into my, into yeah, my to- totally. creative process I, I'm using a lot of um, this musical project I'm doing now I'm using a lot of synthesizers and there's a big part of me that's thinking to what extent am I being influenced here by the fact that by basically by stranger things and the fact that that's kind of <laughs> the fact that that sort of created this like I mean you know for the last however many years that 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 kind of guitar thing has become lesser and the more electronic synthy thing has become more but there seems to have been a particular kind of prevalence of it recently but 80s simps have been on my up for yeah exactly a few years now even just like the price of them if you're buying the hardware it's it's so expensive compared to even just a few years ago because more people want them and is it's interesting i'm kind of thinking hold on is this because i'm really this is what's really exciting me at the moment or is it that i'm being so conditioned by the culture at the moment and the fact is i don't I, there is no answer to that i don't really know but um and you just got to kind of go with whatever you're doing in good faith and try and be as creative as possible and i think just, just something you were saying before rob um having a goal which is outside of the music like a a goal pertaining to how you want the reception of the music to be like if you you're you're thinking too much about the success of the thing you're going to release i think that's that's a really massive thing that i think so many people have and i think people have have it more when they get older a little bit and it's and i think what i've realized is it that 
that kind of really kills creativity and this is a lesson that i've had to teach myself it's so much more yes like having a deadline that's a really productive thing like you guys have got um but when you start to think about hold on how how's this going to go down what what are the reviews going to be like how many people are going to hear it and are enough people going to hear it are the right sort of people you know the people that influence me are they going to like it um that that's sort of the death of everything i think it really ceases to be creative then and actually the best stuff comes from if you're able to like block out all that stuff and just get creative that is definitely true and in the past definitely that that massively kills creativity but i think things have changed now to the point where you can put there's more stuff out there i guess but you can put an album out into the world and the chances of it being picked up by someone or being heard by someone on the other side of the world uh, you know massively increased because of the internet and and the way the world works so that in a way or in the past it definitely because it did feel when we were in a band it's like you need an immense stroke of luck or the reality was most bands that made it were just gigged and gigged and gigged it's a really interesting one that i think you know it's well documented the you know the sort of state that the music industry is in and what stuff like spotify is doing to the music industry and the you know the fees it pays to its artists and all, all those criticisms are definitely really valid i think but at the same time it has it's made the barrier to entry like way 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 lower than it's ever been and i think the most exciting creative things happen when there's a really low barrier to entry um it just means that anyone can kind of get their music out there it can get heard um and so much exciting stuff has, has come out in the last you know since those things have been about that we probably wouldn't have heard of otherwise yeah so just to reiterate on how it happened for you you say you put it on soundcloud and then was it completely out of the blue but yeah it was literally someone in canada got in touch yeah it was literally that like i'd, I'd never yeah <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah it's really surreal in a way because i think part of like being able to finish the the record when i made it was just was the sense that I'm, I'm not even going to tell anyone about it and i didn't i didn't you know i didn't have it on any social media or any of that kind of stuff um i just i, I just put it on soundcloud and did nothing so else kind of zero promotion zero, like literally just let it let it be yeah and what, one thing i did do was one the, the day i put it on soundcloud the evening it was i just i followed like maybe 50 to a, yeah probably 50 different like other soundcloud users and a lot of them were were like record labels and stuff like that and and i i, th- I can't remember exactly the process of how i decided who i was following and, and not it's kind of a lot of it was chance but it's li- literally the next morning i had a message from from moderna records who are this montreal-based record label who i'm i'm insanely grateful to because they sort of changed so much for me and have been incredibly supportive and incredibly patient with me with this next album which is taking about sort of three years longer than i said it would take (laughs) and they're they're still kind of going with it um and they're a great yeah they're a great team there but it rewards you for you know for doing it for creating something and and putting it out there and like you know you couldn't do that if you were just all talk and say oh, I'm I'm James Maloney I I play piano and I've uh, I've done the odd I've got a few songs that aren't quite finished and things like that and you're never gonna get a record label in touch with you whereas because you created the album and, and put it on SoundCloud then you created the space for some yeah to exactly exactly you. So that's that's what it's I think about, th- those it? days of I remember I think it might have been someone like Arctic Monkeys or one of those 
bands that were very very big when we were like 17 yeah. 16 or something i remember them saying at that time they used to get really pissed off at bands that would sell their demo cds for money you know for money like unsigned bands that were selling stuff and i think that that that's continued like it's it, it sort of expected that you for, for better or for worse it's expected that you kind of you give it away as a free gesture initially and then then it comes back round um mm. in a positive way maybe something we'll bear in mind so it's yeah. really looking forward to charging 50 pound a pop but um <laughs> yeah maybe the market's not not ready for it yet <laughs> there's yeah there's and also i'm aware that there are probably problems with that approach of just give, ex, being expected to give it away for free did you um kind of highlight this as a well because you said you had previous like you know ele- electronic projects and things like that so at the start did you kind of say this is going to be a, a piano project and it's going to be just me on the piano did you ever think you're going to add in many more productive elements or you know, vocals or anything like that or did you always know that it was going to be kind of quite keep i guess you said you you limited yourself so yeah yeah was that a conscious decision yeah it was the, i think i think that was it start? i think the reason i got a bit stuck with the electronic stuff was it's it's just so infinite and that stage i was at when i was making that i didn't have the ability to kind of rein myself in and then as a result, kind of everything I was making, A, sounded quite different from each other. So it didn't really kind of fit into any particular narrative. Also, the, just the temptation to just keep making stuff bigger um, kept taking over and it it didn't make, it just made it bigger, not better. And so it, it really was, it really was like the, the former thing you said, which was just like, I'm literally just going to use... The piano i also played the trumpet when i was growing up so i thought okay i've got a trumpet i can play that as well so there's trumpet on there and there is a little bit of like very very subtle like droney electronic stuff that's in there but it, it was a really conscious decision just to keep it so simple and and the other thing was i was writing um like a big part of it that i haven't really talked about it with you guys just now but a, a big part of making that album was that you know at university and before that and stuff I, when i was making kind of classical music I was making quite like complex atonal classical music and um I really just wanted to react against that I think I'd I'd really part of the confusion I felt was I I think uh, something that quite a lot of people who study composition go through which is the feeling that if you're not writing like in a particular aesthetic particular style then it's somehow um it's worthless or it's cheesy or it's whatever or it's simple or all those kinds of things and um there's a lot of like modern contemporary classical music which i really really love but at the same time i've always felt a bit of a fraud making it and i was sort of deliberately just wanting to make some music that like that literally probably if i wrote it down wouldn't pass like a gcse music exam yeah but somehow like had something about it still um i know that sounds a strange thing but i was trying i was deliberately trying to make it so simple yeah um yeah. but produce it in a certain way uh that it still had like something about it so production wise did you did you do it all at, at home with the, you know with that piano did you think at any time were you, you thinking well maybe i should go and re-record this on a, a different piano or in a different room or you know again did you set those 
was that a conscious decision to set those limits or did you just decide it was, later on again it was a sort of a conscious decision really it was part, the other thing is and people rarely talk about this but it was like it was a zero budget production i had no i had no money to spend on it i couldn't have even if i wanted to and then i managed to muster like a few hundred quid at the end to get it mastered and so when that's like when that's a factor a lot of your choices are taken away from you i've got no doubt there are infinitely better rooms infinitely better mics and instruments that i could have done it on with people who really knew how to record stuff but it was about yeah, that's at twenty percent, isn't it? Like you said, totally. It means you you would never ever reach that perfect sound that you're aiming for. Yeah, exactly that. And and also it became like pretty quickly. I realised that like I wanted to make a virtue of that. I wanted to make a virtue of the fact that I don't really know how to record instruments. You know, using microphones is quite new to me. Um, the piano I'm recording on is fine, but it's not it's not great. And the room I'm recording is is certainly not great. And there's loads of like, you know, noise from outside and there's a lot of ambient noise. Um, but when you decide, actually, I'm going to make a feature of that, then it can become quite exciting. Um, and it becomes different then from the stuff that might be recorded on like a Steinway D at Abbey Road, which will sound incredible, but also sound like every other thing that's been recorded mm. on there. Yeah, it's something we talked about a lot, isn't it, Jack? About the, the almost people now striving for more of a lo-fi sound. Yeah, yeah, totally. Sounds overproduced and, and the same. Exactly, exactly. How, how are you guys yeah, doing? It? Say, I, are, are you guys well, mainly recording, or are you using kind of electronic stuff? Because I know you you do a bit of both. There's a bit of both going on. I'm mainly um, not using mics and mainly recording straight into a laptop at the moment, which is uh, partly a Partly a decision that's been forced upon me because of lack of mics and things where I am. Well, we mentioned on the setting limits episode, it was um, I have a tendency to for shiny object syndrome, uh, where I like see a video, a YouTube video of a plugin or a synth. Sure. And I'm like, now I need that. Yeah. Um, I hear that's, you. That's that's the that's the piece of the puzzle. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> um but i've yeah now i'm picking i've kind of got to that point in our album journey where i've i've decided like i've got two two synths i'm not going to go beyond that a couple of yeah maybe for at the mixing stage i might look at other plugins and stuff but yeah i've got my guitar my bass things like that but yeah are are you going to mix it yourselves or are you going to get it mixed externally or do you not know just yet (laughs) i think I, i like the idea of um of trying to at least as much as we can to mix and produce ourselves because I think that's when it gets interesting. So if you if you're I agree if you're making an album that's a bit more well we're trying to be original. I think it, yeah you can get some of the most interesting sounds um, when you start producing yourself and messing around with EQ and various things uh, and just learning. I think that helps you write better music as well. So a point where as long as you you're aware of. Um, I think there's a fine line between awareness of why things sound good and, and bad and then uh, overanalyzing things. So, you know, learning anything about things like EQ and compression and things like that are good to a point as long as it doesn't take away from that spark of originality and kind of clumsiness. Because you know, I listen to interviews with so many of my favorite uh, artists and um, musicians who basically admit to not really knowing what they're doing. It's, <laughs> they've self-produced and a lot of what they've done, they've been praised for. Um, 
and they're just like yeah, I was just <laughs> around like to yeah you know, twiddling knobs and, and things like that on a synth and it's like you know, to to the trained ear it sounds like I've done something really complex there but in reality I was just messing around oh completely yeah. I, I, I totally <laughs> relate to that like it, I've always felt that there's there's been some school that everyone else has gone to where they've learned how to do all this stuff properly they've learned what a compressor does in really intricate detail and then you realize oh no no like no one does i had um i think it was floating points on a podcast or something recently and he was he's like one of the most techie people i think he's a scientist as well i think he likes yeah isn't he hasn't got a physics i think i think he does i think he does yeah much like and like caribou i know is so he has like a phd in maths i think um so you kind of expect people like that to like to really know how that stuff works and how it works properly and to look down on people like me for you know using the wrong ratio on a compressor or something and actually when you hear them speaking about it they're, they're just like yeah i've got no idea what yeah. a compressor does but you just and you realize you mess that the about people it. that do do really know the stuff or think they really know the stuff are they're the people that never release anything there's forum after forum online of people why were they using this particular microphone on on for that or why did they comp- that sounds over compressed to me it's like well not to everyone else who loves that song and you're you know it's so easy to be to be critical i think it's you know, something we've talked about a lot and uh, you can it's one of those things in resistance again if you start start over analyzing and looking on the internet you're going to find people that are like that and it's much more comforting looking at yeah, realizing that yeah, floating points doesn't even know uh, what he's doing a lot of the time. <laughs> I think I think we might have talked about um, Steve Lacey before. He, he's one of my favorite music producers of the last however many years, and like at least at least all his early stuff, he did direct into his iPhone, and it's like amazing. It sounds so good, like the vocals direct into like the the you know the iPhone input. The um the guitar just goes straight into his iPhone via this little adapter thing he got, and it just it's it sounds like a, it sounds amazing, but also so creative and so different from everything else. And yes, you can hire out Air Studios and like use a mic that cost a hundred grand, um, and I've, and of course that has its place, but it doesn't. It's not the only way. You can do really creative stuff. Yeah, you know, it's not one or the other. Exactly, it's not pro exactly, or nothing. It's yeah, yeah. a lot of middle ground. Totally. Yeah. And I think we're in quite a, a sweet spot in time at the moment where the technology is is good enough and widely available enough that you can achieve great results, genuinely great results. Not great because they're they're different, but genuinely kind of medium fi uh, sounds. And we've not reached the point in time where robots are creating perfect music using al- algorithms. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, that's no, that, that's exactly that's <laughs> that's still to come, and that's um, that'll be the death of us all. But <laughs> so, just just taking you back once more to your album. I yeah. mean, how how would in layman's terms, I suppose it's a, it's an ambient instrumental piano led album. Um, was would you? describe it differently or more no i think that's I more think, complex than that no i think that's about right i think it's um yeah if you're gonna if you're if you're gonna think of it in those terms i think they're all like they're good descriptors definitely and it's um 
and different people hear different things but yeah it's an instrumental album it's like i guess it's like a lo-fi instrumental album based around a piano generally recorded lots of times um like multi-track many times over um some people kind of call it like that sort of movement post-classical um but you know it gets a bit daft doesn't it yeah not not wanting to put too many labels on it but was was what you came out with what you set out to make i know you've talked a bit about rebelling against uh more traditional modern classical yeah yeah i I think it it was it was broadly what i set out to make in that i tried to be within those parameters i've described i tried to be as kind of um as free as possible as open-minded as possible as to the final like aesthetic result um and that's that's not to say i don't listen back now as i said earlier and and kind of think oh my god what on earth was i thinking and it isn't necessarily even you know you know some of it i hear and i just think i you know it's not even to my taste necessarily anymore but that's not really the point i think it's a very it's a very normal thing that for people who have made stuff and that's definitely where i'm at with it but that that is a good thing and it shows that you have kind of grown and you're moving into a slightly different space it's a very uh, cohesive album and i know you talked about how in the past for your electronic stuff you struggled to make things that sound the same and i don't know whether it was a result of the restrictions and the, the planning that you imposed at the start but it definitely succeeds in flowing together as an album um in a which is something I know me and me and Rob have spoken about a lot trying to achieve that. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's interesting. Oh, thank you for saying that. Yeah, it's um I think that's so much about like you know when you keep it to so few elements there's only a certain amount it could kind of, you know, deviate. But definitely I put in a lot of thought into just stuff like track listing and then you know one of the tracks or a couple of the tracks I changed quite drastically at the last minute because i realized they weren't to, kind of fit otherwise to make them fit yeah, yeah to make them fit um I, it just sounded like they'd been recorded at a different time which they had been um and in a slightly different way which they had been and um and of course as often you know i left off stuff which i quite liked just because it didn't really fit um that's interesting that you guys are, are kind of battling with that now because i i am too with this thing i'm making um well maybe you can help us if it's, whether it's something you should have in your mind from the start a structure or whether did it kind of come together more towards the end you had songs and you went that goes there that goes there for the first one it kind of just happened organically and you, i just kind of made it and tried to be in the moment as much as possible rather than thinking like um you know this would make a great like opener or closer or anything like that i just tried to make as much material that i that I was into as i as i could and then then it sort of came together at the last minute with with some tweaks and with some you know little production tricks and things like that and certainly like mastering helps with that as well um but is it i don't know at the at the moment i'm i'm like you i'm i'm sort of battling with that because i'm making stuff that is sounding quite different from each other and i'm trying to work out like whether it even matters i think that's the big thing because it was something i was really conscious of first time around 
but then I realised that a lot of people are putting out stuff now that it's, it's really great work like really great albums I think but that are also quite surprising and quite different track to track like an obvious example of that is like who you've mentioned already like Caribou his latest album it's really it's really quite disparate when you listen to it and it sort of reacted against that that kind of idea from his previous stuff of like one track seamlessly kind of literally blending into the next and doing that kind of thing um and it's i know he he called it suddenly i think partly partly for that reason because it kind of suddenly jumped about and it's all quite surprising it's not just him there are plenty of people um who, who quite recently i think have put out stuff which is a bit more like eccentric i guess a bit more idiosyncratic a bit more mixtapey a bit yeah exactly like. yeah. <laughs> yeah to come full circle a bit more mixtapey yeah because with an instrumental album i guess it's even more important to musically kind of tie things together and almost make it into a bit more of a journey rather because you haven't got the lyrical motifs or yeah totally in there that can tie it together lyrically so yeah it's a new challenge you're completely right that's something i've i've, I've been thinking a lot about this recently trying to work out why you know albums that instrumentally like are so different track to track stylistically generically different track to track um why they can still sound sort of cohesive and i think very often it's that it's like if you're if you've got the same person singing over all of it then it's going to sound more cohesive than than you might think and that's probably something for you guys as well if you i think you guys are singing aren't you on, on your stuff Oh, you're not. Still undecided. You're still undecided. Okay. <laughs> <TBC. laughs> um, but uh, if if you were, that would that would probably go a long way to solving that problem. But also, I'd I, th- I think what I've decided for myself is the best thing is trying not to think about it too much, and you'll reach a point where you've you've got plenty of material, and then you'll see see how it can work together. Um, Just briefly, can apart from using lots of lots more synthesizers, can do you have any idea of uh, where the next album will, or what it will look like musically, what it will sound like? It's it's definitely much more like involved than the last one. Like I'm trying to make it like the music that I love. It's it's creative and it's sort of and it's I'm not particularly interested in stuff being like perfect or precise. I'm talking about stuff I listen to. You know, I'm not interested in it being perfect or particularly precise. And it can be baggy and it can be rough and all that kind of stuff. But I really like it to be exciting and creative in some way um and that's what i'm trying to do with this one and that's where i felt maybe that's how i where i feel you know i'd like to really kind of improve on the first one that i think maybe that's the area in which i, I didn't quite succeed in, in what i wanted to but yeah there's more it's more electronic still a lot of piano stuff um and a, a bunch of friends are, are playing on it as well um, oh, nice. So that's uh, yeah. So it's going to be. It's a bit. It's definitely more ambitious. Definitely more ambitious. Oh, cool. Oh, thanks. Well, we'll <laughs> we'll see. It, it still feels like a bit of a a bit of a way off, but it's it, it is getting there now. Lock, lockdown has helped. Yourself. Any uh, any deadlines yet? Then I haven't just yet. I, I'm again. That's probably a, a mistake not to. But I don't want to force you. To no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's definitely going to be done in the next few months Def- yeah. definitely um, uh, right. so you're quite far on with it then. yeah yeah I'm de- I am 
I'm, I am far in it now. Lockdown's really helped in the sense that there's been more time to do stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. less distractions. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> the other thing, the last thing, last question to do with the album before we move on to that album artwork. Oh, is that something that you again? Would you were you thinking? And the name of the album, like, did they come quite late in the day? Did you think, uh, yeah? Because that was for me, like, album artwork is something that I've always, because I've, I've, you know, grew up buying albums. You know, it meant that was a big part of an album for me. Like, you know, the, 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 it wasn't just, and I can, th- I can think of my favorite albums. I, you know, when I think of them, I almost think of the physical thing before I think of the the music itself. So, yeah, how much thought went into that? How late on did it come and? On on the last one, it came because we we ended up sort of releasing it quite quickly. It sort of came a bit a little bit later on, and it's something I'm thinking about much more now. Like earlier on this next one, I'm lucky, and my my girlfriend is a really brilliant photographer, so she did the artwork for the last one, and and will do again for this one. So that's and it's you know she's really great at that kind of thing, and it's great having being able to kind of team up on stuff like that. Titles, I really struggle with titles. Um, I just find, particularly with instrumental stuff, it it either sounds horribly pretentious or, um, <laughs> you know, or, or, or ridiculous. I don't know, it's hard. I, I just really struggle. I have like an iPhone note of like several hundred titles. Um, Is that for tracks and for albums? For yeah, exactly, albums, yeah. yeah. Things yeah. that kind of phrase it, you know, it's not just, to be fair, it's not just titles, little phrases I find or read or words I see or whatever it might be. Um, you know, I'd love I'd love not to have to give anything a title, but that is the most pretentious thing of all. Bands um, have tried. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I've been listening to your album uh, again recently. Kind of the importance of, um, not to put too much pressure on you on the importance of track names, but no. the importance of track names is he- heightened more, I guess, in terms of, instrumental yeah 100 percent. because i if i click on your like a track called afterglow for instance or the track on your album I, that, that before i even press play I, like, i've got like a a feeling of like oh it's taken me to a certain place already and then that means so it's almost acting like the lyrics i guess just this one word it's kind of it's like the feeling that you should mm. have as you yeah, I, get, yeah I suppose yeah because there's no words to put pictures in your heads obviously the music does that but if you've already got a starting place in your mind then that affects how you perceive the music i think that's exactly right that's exactly right and that's that's why it's so tricky i think like i've got a track on the first album called seascape and i sort of called it that because i've just seen um that artist richter gerard richter gerhard richter i don't know how you pronounce it um but he has like a bunch of these seascape pictures and so it was the the track was already named and then i kind of named it after this richter picture this Richter artwork um and then I see like I think one review said like you can hear the waves in this piece seascape like as if it was like a an imp- you know an impressionistic piece of the of the sea which it, it just wasn't you know and that was, was kind of you know that's kind of an interesting thing it's a great thing you know because people can perceive it however they want but it was never intended to be like a musical depiction I mean it was idiotic of me to call it seascape if I didn't want, <laughs> if I didn't want people to make those associations, but I suppose that's like Rob was saying—that is the pressure on 
on the title yeah, totally. of an instrumental piece. The, the, the composer, um, Debussy, a French composer, he, like, when he used to make stuff, he would always put the titles at the, the very end of the work um, rather than the start Percy. of the work for exactly that reason. He didn't want people to, like, to play it with the image of, <laughs> like, the title. I'm just imagining it. people getting to the end of an emotional piece of music and thought, oh, so that was about elephant dung, wasn't <laughs> yeah. it? Oh, well. <laughs> I wouldn't have played it quite the same if I'd known. So, James, something we've asked all our guests on this podcast so far. Two questions uh, about albums that inspire you. Firstly, what is your favourite, or if you're struggling, one of your favourite albums of all time? Okay. Yeah, that is really, really hard. But I'll, give, <laughs> but I'll give it a It's a deliberately go. really hard question. <laughs> oh, is it? Um, but yeah, I mean, you can name name a couple if you want. No, well, it's I'll. It's one of those that I think, depending on what week and what day and what time of day you ask, I probably have a different answer. But um, and it it def- and it does change, and different albums mean different things for different reasons. I think like the, the albums that really that quite literally changed my life were those like middle Radiohead albums which I heard when I was 13 or 14. Mm. Um, stuff like OK Computer was was my like definitive favourite album from the age of 13 to 16. So that's that's like an important album to me. And Kid A, more so Kid A nowadays actually. I'm not what's interesting there is like I, I don't necessarily listen to that so much anymore but it had an enormous impact on me um and i think i think a lot of people who listen to radiohead at that age exactly that's kind of the most the most impressionable age and exactly and there's something about that will will stay with you yeah exactly you're so sort of like um kind of emotionally porous at that age i think that um that music can really sort of touch you in a way yeah, that's good, really good way quite profound. Um, so that's a really important album to me. I, I think the, the one I, f- I find maybe that I come back to more than any other um, and really st- still listen to a lot is, um, do, do you know this producer, music producer called The Field? He's like, yeah, he's makes really interesting like kind of i guess i guess you call it like mi- minimal techno music is like a crude description of it um but he released this album in i think 2007 or it might have been 2008 called from here we go sublime and that's an album i've listened to sort of constantly since i first heard it and um you know a, le- a lot of electronic music i think can date quite quickly and for whatever reason that doesn't to my ears at least I think because it was so so unusual what it was trying to do and still is quite unusual it doesn't feel like it's dated it doesn't feel of its time yeah, yeah. Um, other people might disagree strongly with that I don't know but there's something about that album it's so like it's the first time I heard it I was completely sort of nonplussed by it like I just didn't get it at all it was mm. it's very it's like it takes these sort of it can be a good sign yeah it can be a good sign it can be a good sign and I think had I heard it in 2020 I'd have given it that listen and 
never made you know never returned to it again but because it was in an age where if you bought something you, you know you might as well listen to it a few times you know i grew to love it it's just so it's so hypnotic and it's had such an influence on a lot of the stuff i've i've done um and it's it's kind of little very tiny samples like repeated a lot of times um and it's just kind of mesmeric i really love it and, and quite like euphoric at times as well feel comfortable saying that's my favorite album but there are so many there's a lot of there's a lot by various like bands various electronic artists you know some classical releases as well um oh good yeah that's a good answer you've you've narrowed it down um oh, cool. that can at least okay. at least go on the record as your favorite record ever on the 25th of July. exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> ideal um so i'm a second question uh, we hope to ask everyone is if you can name an album that you've been listening to a lot recently that's inspired you recently what would that be I think in the, there have been a few things I've been I've had on repeat recently um, can I talk about a couple of them very quickly oh yeah, yeah exactly. sure so do. like yeah, yeah. so one of them I don't know if you've heard like Beyonce's live latest live album The Homecoming concert i have not it's it's, there's a netflix like video of a film of it as well which is really amazing it's well worth a watch and the film is like it's the actual it's basically her coachella gig um right and uh, iconic yeah totally iconic and the netflix thing has like the has the actual gig the concert and also like interweaved is documentary footage about the making of it really in, in, interesting exciting and, and really inspiring and they released like the live album um as well which i've been listening to a lot it's just really like it it's just so impressive it's such kind of exciting kind of life affirming music and it's just done so well Um, there's like there's, there's this New York act called Bing and Ruth who I've been listening to a lot over the last year that's had like quite a direct influence on my music I guess that I actually that I make um, and it's sort of like this mm. instrumental ensemble they've just released um, like in the last week they've just released a new album which is really interesting um, but I've been listening to a lot of them for for the last while Thank you. 
I think the, the the one album which has been like the soundtrack when when I think of the coronavirus lockdown the one album I think I'll always associate with it is by uh, do you know uh, Rostam he's this yes from Vampire yeah Week. exactly yeah ex Vampire Week that's exactly yes. right that's exactly it he I, I didn't know his stuff at all and I, I wasn't actually a particularly you know big Vampire Weekend fan um, not that I I was the opposite of that or anything but I just wasn't so familiar with their music but I stumbled across his solo album, which he released, I think, in 2017, called Half Light. And it's just an amazing album, I think. I've absolutely loved listening to it, and I've listened to it so much the last few months. And it's 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 like it's just one of those really creative records. Like it's, uh, I think you guys would really like it um, in that it's very like just loads of interesting production stuff. It's really. Um, creative and and kind of eccentric idiosyncratic and at the same time it's really immediate and um and and like really joyous in the half light i felt the morning coming through i know and i know but can't see it i refuse baby all the lights came up what are you gonna do Something I did discover relatively recently was the Discovery LP. Okay, don't know if no, you're aware of that. I think that that was him. Oh right, okay. Um, back it was like 2009 or something. It came out. Oh, interesting. And um, I'm, I'm sure he's evolved. But just it was just one album under that name, but and he's probably evolved quite a lot as a producer since then. But it was again quite idiosyncratic, very kind of happy and yeah, yeah. kind of multicolored sounding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I mean. Yeah, totally, but, um, totally. But it was definitely, definitely quite, quite unique in its own way, and uh, yeah, I'd recommend that as well. I will. Oh, cool! I'll definitely to check that out. Half Light, and you can listen to. Yeah, it. I'll definitely check it. It's just called amazing. LP. It's just called LP. I think LP by Discovery. Yeah. Okay, great. It's, uh, so the band of the laziest album titles. So the band is called Discovery. Yeah. So and I think, the, and I think like it's just. It just okay, him, that's but that's that is that is for name he went, that, he went for oh interesting that, one okay. that would explain as well why i haven't um yeah why i hadn't kind of realized that he's released other oh that's dead exciting i look forward to listening to that so i hope you enjoyed that first interview episode we've done on the tune lighting podcast apart from that one where uh, i spoke to my own brother but uh, yeah we're hoping to increase the these kind of episodes do more of them because I, I find them personally anyway really inspiring speaking to people who uh, have released their own music or released their own album like James and as I said at the start we hope to uh, interview some um, other people within the industry to give us some tips and uh, help us in our uh, in our album production and uh, in completing the the task of getting that album out within a year if you want to find out more about uh, James and his music, I'll leave some links in the description. Uh, but Gaslight as an album, uh, which, as James mentioned, came out in 2017, but it's still available on Spotify and it's also available for purchase uh, in all the in all the usual places. And if you have been enjoying the podcast so far and uh, you've got any questions or ideas for future guests or future episode ideas, then 
please do let us know uh, on the email, which I'll also leave in the description. Uh, or we're also on all the uh, other social media platforms as well. And uh, of course, please do like and subscribe to the podcast so you get it automatically downloaded each week without having to remember to do so. So until next time, do the theme tune.